Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Constructional Approach to Animal Welfare and Training Podcast. We are your host. I am Masa. Hello, everybody, and I'm Sean. We hope that you are cuddled up with your animal companions and ready for this exciting episode. Before we start, we have some announcements. Last weekend, we hosted our first webinar to our Japanese audience. We talked about construction approach and construction questionnaire, and how we use the questionnaire to solve behavior challenges that we had with you. We are planning to host a series of webinars to both our English and Japanese audiences soon, so please stay tuned on our website, caut.com, c-a-a-w-t.com. We also want to let you all know that we release our first daily interview. Which is on Dr. Israel Goldiman. You can find it on our website or our YouTube channel, Construction Approach to Animal Welfare and Training. Also, we are going to upload a couple more interviews this coming week, so please enjoy learning from our pioneers. We still need your support to continue digitizing all the interviews Marion and Bob Bailey did with the pioneers. So please visit our GoFundMe page. We will put the link on our description. Now for extremely exciting announcement, we want to take a moment here to celebrate one year of podcasting. <laughs> we enjoy the whole process of planning for the topic of the month to actually recording, editing, and seeing the reaction from our audience all over the world. We cannot wait to keep bringing you the information that will help improve your relationship with your animal companions. In today's episode, we will be talking about the key aspect of the interaction guidelines of construction affection, which is conjugate reinforcement. What it is and why it is important for building social behaviors using social interaction as a reinforcer. If you find this information exciting and want to learn more, please visit our Patreon page to find more educational content on this topic, like research papers related to these materials and bonus episodes that go into more detail on conjugate reinforcement and the advantages of using this approach in our daily lives with our animal companions. You can find it at patreon.com/caawt. So, Sean, let's begin. Yeah, and just like you mentioned a second ago, today's episode will be on conjugate reinforcement. And as a fun little,、um, you know, layer to it, we will actually be talking about this through the lens of the interaction guidelines. And for anyone out there that's maybe new to our show or new to constructional affection, the interaction guidelines are the first part of the constructional affection procedure. And the interaction guidelines are designed to teach our animal companions how to ask for and how to receive the affection that we have to offer. And the guidelines for or the interaction guidelines follow these rules where, when the animal approaches us and has all four feet on the ground, we will pet them with one hand. And if any of their paws come off of the ground, or if they engage in any undesirable behavior, we discontinue petting until that undesirable behavior. This continues, or the foot returns to the ground, and at that point we resume petting with one hand. And during any point of this process, if the animal sits or lies down, we will pet them with two hands. 
And these interaction guidelines actually represent what's called a conjugate reinforcement procedure. And conjugate reinforcements may be not talked about as frequently as the main type of reinforcement delivery procedure used in animal training, which is episodic reinforcement. But um, we will be talking today about some of the benefits of conjugate reinforcement. Um, One note that I do want to say before we jump in is that we are not saying that episodic reinforcement is bad or that conjugate reinforcement's the best or always the better way to go. These are two completely different schedules of reinforcement that have benefits to each one. But in today's show, we will be focusing specifically on the benefits of conjugate reinforcement. So to get us started, um, Masa, why don't you go ahead and share with the audience um, the critical features of conjugate reinforcement? Yeah. So the critical features of conjugate reinforcement schedule is that the reinforcement is continuously available and the intensity of the reinforcer changes with the behavior. Right. And, you know, to go ahead and help out our audience a little bit, we are going to break down each one of these features and talk about them in detail. So first, we're going to go ahead and we will talk in more detail about what it means for the reinforcer to always be available. And then we will talk a little bit more about um, how the reinforcer changes, how it increases and decreases based on the dog's behavior or our animal's behavior. And then we will go ahead and wrap it up by talking about some general implications for using the procedure. But to start us off, let's go ahead and come back to the reinforcer always being available. And through the interaction guidelines, you know, we would actually say that the reinforcer is always available, you know, mainly because we're always here. But um, yes, yeah, we are always there. And then they are receiving some degrees of reinforcer, which is our social interaction. Right. So because we're actually there, one, they've got the stimulus condition of the reinforcer actually being present, no mm-hmm. matter what their behavior is. And you and I, when we were actually talking about this earlier tonight before we started recording, you brought up another great point, too, that even if we're not petting them and they're jumping on us, they are actually, even in that moment, getting some degree of that reinforcement because they're making contact with us. Right, (laughs) right, exactly. Yeah, and even though we discontinue petting when all four feet are not on the ground or some undesirable behavior happens, we are there, Mm -hmm. right? That's right, and then then one thing that... um, you know, we actually both talked about earlier today as well. Um, we need to maybe make this a little bit more explicit, as a matter of fact, in the way that we have written our interaction guidelines. But the interaction guidelines might make it seem like it's kind of an all or nothing delivery. Mm-hmm. We're either petting you or we're not. But we are actually, you know, moving towards the dog, you know, where we're, our hands are moving towards them as they sit. And our hands are moving away from them as their bottom comes off the ground or that paw comes off the ground. So they're always kind of getting some degree of that reinforcer that's available. And, you know, you and I were actually talking earlier, and I'd like you to maybe bring up the point that you had mentioned about extinction in relation to this, to this point. Right. So because we are always available, because there are some degrees of reinforcer, social interaction, that can prevent extinction. Right, because they're always getting access on some level to that reinforcer. And this actually ties directly in 
to the second critical feature that you mentioned, Mm -hmm. which is that the reinforcer, the magnitude of it increases and decreases along with the dog's behavior. And so coming back to that explanation that I was just giving you guys to where if the dog's bottom goes onto the floor, our hands are coming to them as their bottom is moving down. And as their bottom's coming off the ground, our hands would start to move away from them. Right. And so through this kind of a, you know, direct manipulation, the, 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 it should actually be considered actually a manipulation on the dog's end, right. which is the funny thing here, the, the mm-hmm. point I'm getting at, that they actually learn directly how to actually bring that reinforcer closer and how to actually send it away. Right. Yeah. They are, their behavior is directly impacting the amount of the reinforcer that they want to get. Which is an awesome thing to think about, even from a quality of life standpoint. Um, you and I always kind of like to say that, that through this you know, procedure, that our dogs not only learn how to ask for and how to receive the affection, but also how to tell us when it is that they don't want it. That's right. Because they're directly learning how to control it. And using your own words just now, you know, the dogs through this interaction are directly learning how their behavior has an impact on the amount of reinforcement that they're actually receiving. And this has also, you know, some really big implications on learning in general. Because this kind of a setup really makes it easy for the dogs to kind of figure out what that rule is to obtain this thing that they're looking for. And that can sometimes be a difficult process if we're not using conjugate reinforcement because in an episodic situation, we're hoping that that moment has been captured. And so the dog might engage in some behavior and we might give them, you know, a click and a treat. And we're hoping that that click actually marked the right instance for the dog or for our animal that we're training in this situation. To where in a conjugate situation, at least in the ones that involve social reinforcement and social interactions, our dog is directly learning moment to moment how their behavior is impacting the delivery of these things. Yeah. And so that really helps to make that discrepancy clear on what role your behavior has in the delivery and also in the reception of that reinforcer. So just summing up what we've talked about with conjugate reinforcement, the critical features of conjugate reinforcement are that, one, the reinforcer is always available. Just like how in the interaction guidelines with our animals, they've always got some kind of contact to the reinforcer that's available because we're always there and we are always ready to pet them and we're always wanting to pet them as a matter of fact. And then the second critical feature is that the amount of reinforcement increases and decreases along with the moment-to-moment behavior of our animal. And so we talked about how the dog's moment-to-moment behavior has a direct impact on the amount of reinforcement that they receive. And we also discussed how this has important implications for contacting extinction and also just the learning experience in general for our animal companions that are participating in this procedure with us. I would like to add one thing here. Conjugate reinforcement was identified and researched by a behavior analyst, Ogden Linsley. If you're interested in learning more about Ogden Linsley and his research on conjugate reinforcement, please visit us at patreon.com forward slash C-A-A-W-T. 
We'll have a bonus episode of us discussing Ogden Lindsley's work on conjugate reinforcement and some of research available. We are looking forward to seeing you at patreon.com forward slash C-A-A-W-T. Now I would like to shift our focus on the impact of using conjugate reinforcement procedure. Right. And we discussed a little bit two really big impacts. And one of them was the uh, contact with extinction and then also related to it, the overall learning experience for our animal companions. But also related to this as a really big impact is the underlying relationship between us and our animal companions. And this brings me to a really awesome point that um, I was hoping that you would share with everybody because it has something directly related to uh, you and one of your old mentors. Yes. So uh, my old mentor, Dr. Shala Alai, and her students, Isabel Cunningham, they are looking at the quality of relation interaction between humans, and they coined the term harmonious engagement. And they did their definition is that one, the two people needs to engage in the same activity, and two, there's a reciprocity; they have to respond each other, and three, their their affect need to match. So what would that actually look like, you know, the, the matching affect and responding, uh, responding to each other? Yeah, so with our animal companion, for example, with our dog Chew, when Chew comes to me and then look at me, I will start looking at him and then I will reach my hand and start pouring my affection. And as he's receiving my affection, he will start to cuddle on my lap and then I will cuddle him back. And then I am all of this process, I'm really talking sweet to him, like singing to him. And then he start licking my face, licking my lip, and I will kiss him back. All of those things represent reciprocity in our responding as well as our, our affect. Kind of makes sense of the, the name that she gave it, that harmonious engagement. Right. It kind of gives the, the feeling of this like wonderful moment shared together between each other. Right. And I really think that interaction guideline is a step-by-step process to get to harmonious engagement. Right, I would agree. And, and can you explain why that type of interaction would actually be valued or important? Because it directly, uh, directly leads to building positive and mutually enjoyable relationship for both parties. That's right. And that, to me, is a, is a huge point that you actually just made right there. Because not only does it make sure for our animal companions that the whole process is enjoyable, which is extremely important. Because I think if anyone out there, um, I'm not sure, I, I've probably mentioned this on the show before that I used to be a teacher for a really long time. Yeah. And, and I'm sure for any teachers out there listening, they would be able to understand the importance of having a strong relationship with your learner when we're attempting to teach them something new. If we've got that strong relationship, it makes it a much more enjoyable experience. And it almost kind of brings me back to an old Mr. Rogers quote that I love to talk about. And Mr. Rogers used to say that at the root of all learning or um, at the root of all learning is love or the lack of it. And that kind of gets to this point that, you know, the relationship between ourselves and our learning, you know, partners is a very important factor in how that learning experience goes. And so I can totally understand 
how having a mutually enjoyable situation is important to that. But on the teacher's side or on the, the human side of the equation, if, it's, if we're talking about our animal-human relationships, it helps to make sure that we're actually also getting what we would like to get out of the relationship. It's kind of a funny situation if we're only making sure that one side of the equation is fulfilled. It'll also make it much more likely that we won't engage in that type of behavior if it's not reinforcing for us. And so I really like how we are taking into account both experiences on the equation, that of the trainer or the teacher, and then that of the animal and the learner. So we've spent most of the show so far talking about what conjugate reinforcement is. And now I'd like to spend a moment just to talk about what episodic reinforcement is. And before we get into this, I would just like to make one note that listening to this, it might sound again like we're saying that episodic is bad and conjugate is good because we're going to be talking about it saying things like episodic does these things but doesn't do these things. So, you know, that's not what we're saying. I want to say that again. These are just two different, you know, systems of delivering reinforcement that are aimed at shaping behavior. And, um, you know, something Moss and I were just recently talking about was that, you know, the interaction guidelines are a conjugate reinforcement procedure. However, you know, once when we switch to the affection loop, which is the second step of constructional affection, we are effectively changing over to an episodic reinforcement schedule. And so with that, I'd like us to go ahead and start talking about what episodic reinforcement is. So, Masa, do you mind sharing some of the critical features with the audience of episodic reinforcement? Yeah. So the first critical feature of episodic reinforcement is that it is all or nothing, all or none fashion. Mm -hmm. Either you will get the reinforcement or not. It's very clear. And then the second uh, critical feature is that the reinforcer time is limited. So if they receive food, the time that they get the reinforcement, that food is ended when the animal consume that food. Mm. Yeah. And then the third c- critical feature is that the shaped behavior, that the behavior that the animal is learning has to stop in order to receive the food or the reinforcer. That's right. And we talked about that one a little bit earlier in the show at the beginning when we were talking about how in conjugate reinforcement, you know, that behavior, the, the, the dog's behavior, the animal's behavior, actually moment by moment, you know, changes the way that or the magnitude of reinforcement that they're receiving. But let's go through each one of these a little bit, one at a time to help, um, help everyone understand, you know, each one of these critical features. And so the first being an all or nothing delivery system. This is in contrast to the conjugate reinforcement system to where they're always kind of getting some degree of that reinforcer. It's always available to them. And the first big difference that sticks out to me in this situation is that component of extinction. Right. And, you know, I know the audience might be getting a little bit tired of hearing us keep coming back (laughs) to extinction. But I think this is a really important point because this has direct implications on our learners' experience through our procedures that we're setting. And as a quick little side note, um, you know, ORCA, the Organization for Reinforcement Contingencies with Animals, one thing that Jesus, Dr. Jesus Rosales Ruiz used to say repeatedly, and he really wanted this to be like a big motto in ORCA, is that we did our best to make sure that our procedures did not include extinction. 
And that was one really big thing where Dr. Rosales Ruiz was really always completely a stickler on was that he did not want to see us putting animals through extinction. And this is why it was such a big deal when you and I did our interview with him and we discovered how he and his students have recently revised the constructional aggression treatment to really skirt any kind of contact with extinction that the animals might be receiving in that procedure, which is a huge, I mean, just monumental, I mean, addition to that procedure and makes it just so much more better. And also more in line with the philosophy of Orca. But, um, you know, in conjugate reinforcement, being that they're always getting a little bit, you know, some degree of that reinforcer is always present for them. It really prevents that, that breaking of that contingency between that consequence that they're desiring and the behavior in the moment, which is a big thing because when we can stop that from happening, we can stop bad behaviors from escalating. And we can also help keep it, like we were mentioning earlier, a more positive experience for our learners and make it much more likely in the future that they're going to be willing to come play whatever kind of, you know, quote unquote, learning game, you know, that we have for them. And so our second critical feature is that the, 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 the time that you right. get that reinforcer is limited. Right. And you had mentioned in your example how it's really kind of decided by the, the, trainer. the trainer or the teacher right. in this case because we are deciding what reinforcer it is that we're delivering, what type of food or right. what type of toy, and how long they're basically going to get access to it. And this really does tie in directly to that third point that you made about um the behavior needs to stop to receive the reinforcer exactly and so the time that they're getting it is going to be depending upon what reinforcer that we're giving but then also on the other side of it you know their behavior is going to have to stop to receive it right and this kind of has you know it comes back to those learning experiences for our animals and oftentimes this is going to cause trouble when when our animals don't really know what it is to do, what the rule is that we're trying to shape for them. When their behavior has to stop, at that point, you know, we're, we're hoping that they know that they've got an association between what they did and the consequence that happened, but they might be associating the wrong things. They might not be even sure what the association should have been. And so it kind of leaves them without any kind of roadmap or clue on the direction forward from there. Mm -hmm. And in contrast to that, when we're using a conjugate reinforcement procedure, being that our reinforcer delivery is going to be directly tied to their moment-to-moment behavior, they really get those moment-to-moment clues that the direction that they're heading is the right way or the wrong way. And, you know, all of this kind of comes back to, you know, that learner's experience. And, and I want to keep saying that because the big thing that you and I are really wanting to make sure, you know, is understood about using this type of conjugate procedure is that when we're dealing with social reinforcers and social behaviors, using this type of an approach really helps to make sure that that interaction is mutually enjoyable between the individual trainer or the teacher, we could say, in the situation, and our, and our animal or our learner, we could say. And so we want to make sure that that experience is enjoyable for both parties involved. That way, both parties can start to shape up in each other the types of interactions that are good for both of them. 
And this marks the end of today's episode. Thank you so much for joining us today. We hope that you enjoyed our episode on conjugate reinforcement. If you're interested in learning more about Ogden Lindsley's work on conjugate reinforcement, please visit us at patreon.com forward slash CAAWT. Over there, we have a video of us working with Chu using interaction guidelines. This video will have demonstrations of the critical features of conjugate reinforcement and the positive impact it had on both ourselves and Chu. We hope that this exclusive content will bring your interaction with your animal companions extra special and mutually enjoyable. Our GoFundMe project of digitizing interviews Marianne and Bob Baby. Bob Bailey did with the pioneers of behavior analysis and animal training is still going on. We still have well over 100 interviews to digitize, so please visit our GoFundMe page that we will put the link on our show note and donate if you can so that we can all delight and enjoy the history of our field. If you like our show, please subscribe to our podcast or share it with your friend. Feel free to get more information or reach out to us on Facebook, Construction or Approach to Animal Welfare and Training, or email us at caawtcontact at gmail.com. And feel free to reach out to those places if you're interested in joining one of our group classes or private lessons that we are now offering remotely. Thank you so much today. We hope all of you have a wonderful and safe holiday celebration. We are your host. I am Masa. And I am Sean. I'll see you guys all in 2021. Have a wonderful day with your amazing animal companions and happy holidays, everyone!